Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Okay, are we live? Yeah. So you're saying we're live. Okay, well, we're live, and um, welcome to Gross Anatomy. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Gross Anatomy, where we discuss the sight, smell, sounds of medicine and how it relates to pop culture, movies, TV, etc., and all that good, fun stuff. And I am Dr. Jason Cohen, and I'm joined by... Lauren Taylor. Lauren Taylor. I'm joined by Lauren Taylor. What are we talking about today? Today, we have a lot of things to talk about, don't we? Today, we have, we have a few questions to answer. What are the questions? Um, the first question is, what are nutritional needs after plastic surgery? That is a fabulous question, and I really... I personally, I don't think there's any additional nutritional needs that people need after surgery. I think it's just adequate nutrition is important. I don't, you know, every, there's the whole industry of vitamins and supplements and do you have protein and this and should you juice and all that. And the answer is it's not going to hurt you and if it makes you feel better, do it. But I don't think after surgery anybody needs anything specific nutritionally other than continue with normal regular nutrition. I do think though there are certain things to avoid after surgery, especially cosmetic surgery, any surgery, and that's tobacco, cigarette smoking. And we kind of discussed that in one of our podcasts that tobacco, cigarette smoking, all that stuff is bad and bad for wound healing. Um, but I think just regular activity, regular diet, not laying around, being active, at least as long as your surgeon allows you to be. Um, and I don't mean sports or working out. I just mean normal activity, walking around, not just laying around. Um, and regular nutrition, I think that's all you need, as long as you're not malnourished. You know, maybe diabetics, so people who have diabetes, you definitely want to keep your sugar levels in the normal range. You definitely want to avoid having high sugar levels because that will affect your healing, uh, having abnormal glucose metabolism. So someone who's diabetic, you definitely don't want to go binging and have poor control of your, of your sugars. Maybe that's the only kind of nutrition thing that I think really affects, might affect wound healing. Okay. And the next question mm -hmm. is, can you become lactose intolerant even if you've never had a problem with dairy before? Can you become lactose intolerant even though you've never had a problem with dairy before? That's an interesting question. What do you think of that question, Lauren? Yes. I think it, what I've read is that it's not a true allergy and that it can develop at any age. I think that's very profound, Lauren. I think, I think you... And apparently a lot of people suffer from it, which I was surprised. Right. So, you know, I've become that weird guy. I don't know how much we've discussed. I think we've discussed it a little either personally or on the podcast that I've... And my kids like to make fun of me. Um, and my wife likes to commend me, which is great. So, um, so anytime I get praise from my wife, that's the goal of this whole life. But um, so... I become that weird guy, though, who's kind of vegan-ish. And it's almost like a bad word, but these days it's less so, luckily. Um, and the reason why I say ish is I don't deprive myself um, if ever I'm craving something. But it, less and less it, it, I find that happening just because I've lost the taste for animal products. But I truly believe that there's a component of inflammation that happens when we eat animal products and especially dairy, so getting to the whole lactose intolerant thing. I personally, sometimes when I have dairy or ice cream or whatever, I get a little phlegmy. Do you? Do you ever notice that? Like you yeah. get, like, and I think most people do. And I think, I think, 
I think almost all people have some kind of reaction to dairy. I think it may cause inflammation and may, who knows what. So I think when you don't have it frequently and then do have it, it may cause problems. And I do think people at different points in their lives have certain intolerances to it. Um, and I don't know how much we should be having dairy, really. Um, as much as I love ice cream, and and, right. and I, it's very hard for me to pass up an amazing slice of pizza, especially from New York. So that's why I say vegan-ish. So, um, but then how do you re- re- supplement your dairy? Like, what do you... Like, I read a lot of things, because I don't eat a lot of dairy either. Yeah. And that you should be eating, like, almond butter, kale, broccoli, like, foods that have calcium in it. Because, obviously, dairy is good because it has calcium and it's good for your bones. There is truth to that. Right. right. But we get that... Everywhere, or you could just simply take a vitamin. The only thing really that someone being vegan isn't going to get is vitamin B12. That's the only thing. And you could take a pill or a shot or, or high doses of vitamin B12 supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, vitamin D we get, you know, and calcium we get from tons of other, just you name them. Um, but in terms of, you know, having the cheese and dairy, these days there's more and more vegan kinds of dairy Options, stuff. Yeah. That some taste crappy, you know, mm. but more and more... Soy cheese I particularly hate. I don't know if you're yeah. a fan. I don't know which is which, but there's some that you buy and it just tastes yeah. lousy. But then occasionally you find some decent mm. options. And I think, you know, there's some great restaurants that are figuring it out and great, you know, stores are coming up with things. So It, m- it must stink, though, sometimes, like being lactose like, intolerant. <laughs> yeah, the cheese. The cheese stinks. But there's a movie called French Kiss, which I love, with Meg Ryan and Kevin Klein. Yeah. And she's lactose intolerant. Is that the movie so... where he has the vineyard, the wine thing? Yes. I love that whole thing, because he has this little tree sapling yep. wrapped up in a yep. thing. That's what I loved about the movie. But yeah. remind me about... But the lactose intolerant. So she's on the train. She decides she she is going to eat all the cheese. Like, uh. she's just really into it. She's just decided to pretend that she doesn't have lactose intolerant. And then she, like, suddenly gets this bad pain in her stomach. Yeah. And she just screams lactose intolerant. She has to get off the train. I mean, yeah. I guess it's not funny to laugh at people's problems. But it's no. a good scene in the movie. Yeah. And I definitely think at different points in people's lives... It could become worse and, and whatnot. Right. So the answer to that question is, there yes. are a lot of good alternatives, so don't stress if you can't have milk. I mean, right. these days, there are a zillion kinds of milk, you know, in, in the, you know from, from soy milk to rice milk to hemp milk to oat milk to coconut milk. There are a million more that I can't even think of. My only question about that that I was asking my wife today was, why are they all white? You know, when you pour those milks, they're all white. Are they? Do they really all come out when you make the, the uh, or is there some food coloring? Or That's some, a great question. Probably because if I it was no brown, idea. like if right, you wouldn't no drink, one would drink it. it. No, I know. But I was wondering that today, for some reason, and it had nothing to do with the fact that we were doing this question. They is, must use some kind of. They must, right? I don't yeah, know. How can they all end up the same color? They're all the same color. Like rice milk, I could see that's white. But thank you, questioneers, questioners, questioners. Thank you, and keep. Bring in the questions, and sorry it took us so long to answer them. Today we're talking on our about podcast. a podcast that you were excited about, Doctors with... But you're not excited. <laughs> so are you saying you're not excited about? Today we're talking about a podcast that we're both excited about. Nice. Doctors who went on to have successful second careers. Right. And either those doctors stayed, some stayed as doctors... And some pivoted and did other things. Yeah. And it totally intrigues me how how that happens. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And some doctors have successful careers 
as doctors and still kind of doing side gigs. Um, but some totally pivot. Um, some kind of figure out ways to do both. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's always interesting to me as a doctor, which is all-consuming for the most part, except for this hour that you and I take to do this. Certain kinds of medicine, I guess, could afford you more time, like emergency medicine. You're in, you're doing your shift, and then you're gone, and you don't necessarily have to go home and think about the patient, and you're not necessarily running a practice. But I'm always intrigued by the people who have been able to either have two careers or pivot a career and then find their way back to a career. It kind of interests me. Well, the people we picked to talk about today, because they're the ones that we could think of, uh, I'll... Yeah, I'll have very different paths and things they went on to do. Mm-hmm. So, so who are we going to talk about? Ken Jong is the first one. I feel like most people know him from The Hangover, right? And um, he was on Community, right? But he played uh, the gangster Leslie Chow in right. the Hangover films. In the Hangover films, and crazily enough, he's a doctor. He's and a it's doctor. insane. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about his doctoring career. Do you? Uh, he graduated from Duke University. Wow, and obtained his MD. So he's a medical doctor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you think anybody at this point in time would be like, I'm sick. Let me go ask him advice. Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask you about. So he is a licensed physician in California, but he no longer practices medicine. Right. Having given it up for his acting and comedy career. Right. I actually but, feel like I've met someone who actually knows him, but I don't remember who. But what were you going to say? Well, my question is, how long can you not practice? Like, can you just not practice for 10 years and still, and then just go jump right back into it? Well, that's another totally separate interesting question. So let's go down that rabbit hole, okay. why don't we? Um <laughs> So the answer is maybe, yes and no. So as long as you maintain your license and pay it every year, you'll, you'll maintain, uh, or maybe every two years, um, you can maintain your medical license. Like, do you have to pass a test and pay something, or no? No, no not just for your medical, you mean initially? Uh, no, I mean uh, recurring. Like no. mortgage broker, I know you guys are... Different right. than so, mortgage brokers, but they had to do it every year. They have to take a test and right. pay money. So, so to ma- so to maintain your medical license, as far as I know, you don't have to um, take exams. You do have to pay every two years. I think I don't know if it's every, I don't forget if it's every year, or every two years. You have to pay the medical license fee, mm-hmm. and you have to submit information. Now. There might be a way to be like emeritus status, you know, to keep your medical degree but be not practicing. Kind of like, you know, when you're uh, registering your car, you could have your car but non-use and that way you don't. So you could do that with medical doctor. But in terms of if he actually wanted to practice, um, at this point, I don't think he could pick up and practice. I think he would have to kind of... Um, so, the, so it happens like so many hours, right? You have to do these, uh, continual medical education credits. Oh, okay. Um, but in addition to that, um, to get into a hospital, I don't think it would be very easy for someone like that, unless he came on board as like a consultant or, you know, a Hollywood guy to talk mm-hmm. about things. So theoretically, if he did want to start practicing again, he probably could, okay. but he couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to start today. I, I think he would have to jump through some hurdles. Right. But interestingly, do you think anybody would say, oh yeah, I want to go to this guy? <laughs> that that's the bigger question. Well, although maybe for funny, the entertainment people purpose. might want to look it up. Is he? Uh, he's got some videos on YouTube where he did um, a series for Wired, where he just answers like people's medical questions, 
And he answers them probably like a lot of doctors wish they could answer questions with a lot of like F bombs. Right. And like, he, he's just like, why would you write this this way? Or how could you not know this? And right. it's just like, it's because he's So it's a basically comedian. what I would want this podcast <laughs> yeah. to be, basically. So he's just like throwing right. it back at the people asking him. So it's. We it's should get him as funny. a guest. That would be great. But yeah. Hey, Ken Jong, come hang out with us on our podcast. Yeah. We dare you. He's got no consequences. I mean, Nothing. he's not a practicing doctor. Right. So if he gives him the wrong, I mean, exactly. he'd be like, well, he's a comedian, so. I remember his seriously? first role that I remember him in. Do you remember? I, the first role I saw him in, yes, I remember. What? Knocked up. Right. Yeah. Right. He was and he really played the OBGYN. He played a really mean doctor. Right. He played like a, a harsh uh, siren in the background, by the way. Yeah. He played a harsh, uh, yeah, mean gynecologist, OBGYN, obstetric gynecologist. Right. That was my first role that I remember him in, too. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been his first role ever. Do you think? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, apparently he won a comedy, like, stand-up competition, and then he was encouraged to go to, like, the improv. So while he was, like, being a stand-up comedian and in the improv, he was also a doctor, which is, I'm sure, like, he's probably the only one to ever be a doctor and do stand-up. The uh, Yeah. I mean, professionally. Right. I would like to do stand-up, but I think I'm too shy and I'd be too scared, believe it or not. Well, I'm sure, like, most stand-ups or people, like, doing all these improv classes are mainly, they probably work at, like, restaurants or, like, wherever you can work. And he's an actual practicing doctor in the day. So I'm I'm sure that's rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so then he started getting parts and that's what he decided to do. Yeah, and he was also in uh, Crazy Rich Agents. Oh, he was? I didn't see that. He was the, I think he was the dad of... The best friend, I think. Right? Yeah, he was in it. I forget who he played, but he had a significant role in that. Yeah, I mean, he's... Yeah, yeah he's, he's made it. Yeah. He's, he does not need to go back to medicine. Doesn't need to. Right. So, and yeah. There we have it. I think his wife's a doctor, so he's fine. Really? Pretty sure. I definitely met someone who knows him, but I can't remember now. Who else are we talking about? I want to talk about... Okay, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Who do you want to talk about? I think I gave you a name, too. It was a writer. Uh, Chekhov? Yeah. Yeah. Who let's, I'm very interested in the whole Chekhov thing. Anton Chekhov. Anton Chekhov. Not Chekhov from Star Wars, Star Trek. No. Anton no. Chekhov. Anton Chekhov. Do you know who he is? Yes. He's yeah. a playwright. Right. And a writer. Mm-hmm. Famous. Yep. Russian playwright writer. I did not know he was a doctor until you told me. You didn't see people don't know that. So it is very interesting. But yeah. I knew he wrote The Seagull, The Cherry Orchard, Three right. Sisters. Like, right. I know he's responsible for like modern day theater, but I did not know he was a doctor. And his story is interesting. Yes. Because, at least from what I know, from what I rem- what I learned about him, was that he was, I think he started out poor. I don't think he was a rich guy. I think he started out poor. Right? Am I right or no? Yes. What happened was, I guess his dad, like, paid to, like, remodel their house and he got blindsided by some contractor, took him for all his money. So instead of going to yeah. debtor prison, which they had back then, uh-huh. he left. He fled to Moscow and they were very poor after that. Right. And he supported himself as a writer and then actually was successful as a writer and then i don't know when he went to medical school but but he he was a successful guy separately as a writer mm-hmm. and practiced medicine as a passion and hobby which i thought is pretty cool yeah well apparently so this was in 1879 he yeah he needed to make money for his family so he went to school for medical school I don't know if it was just like back then or if it was just a Russian thing, but doctors didn't make that much money. So he's actually writing to help supplement that low income, right. which is 
the re- which I thought was interesting because right. it's so the reverse of today. Right. Like, you don't get paid much at all to be a writer, but you get paid a lot to be a doctor. Uh, yes or no. I mean, unless you're, you're... Well, both. Someone else we'll talk about. Right. That's a whole other problem. <laughs> yeah. but, but I thought... But what I liked about it was that he was practicing medicine because that was his passion. You know, yes. he was doing that yeah. kind of on a side because he could. Yes. You know, that I thought is pretty cool. Like, that would be the dream, to be able to just do medicine... Not because I need to put food on the table, but to really do it, you know, to just treat the poor and not have to worry about a paycheck mm-hmm. and have income from some other way. Well, you're I right. I kind of envy that. That yeah. would be amazing. And, and I, that's why I guess he didn't make a lot of money because he did treat poor people for nothing. Right. I th- so that that's why I think Chekhov is a pretty cool his uh, example of a doctor with another career. Right. Yeah. And apparently he had tuberculosis for like 20 years and he didn't want to go to any of his colleagues because I, I guess he probably knew what was wrong with him and there mm. wasn't anything he could do about it. Right. Um, so he just never went in to get treated for it, I guess. Mm. That's one of the things about tuberculosis is it kind of, um, once you have it, it's hard to eradicate. It stays in your system. Okay. But as long as it's not active, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And typically, as long as your immune system is okay, it's not going to be activated. Okay. Um, but when we were seeing it a lot was in the 80s, 90s, uh, you know, and stuff oh, because HIV, of AIDS. Right. And that's what let tuberculosis go crazy. Okay. And then once we got AIDS and HIV under control, tuberculosis went back down to being something not that active. But in the third world, it's still pretty prevalent. Yeah, I guess it's prevalent in Africa. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Um, and the treatment is medication, but long-term medication. Like I remember it's like six months of medicines that have some side effects and stuff okay yeah so he i guess he lived with that for like tw- almost 20 years and yeah. uh, he wrote some great great things he wrote a apparently one sketch called uh man without a spleen which i would like to read, uh, which, i don't know that we should sounds like that something up. he must have uh covered during his time as a yeah. physician so we can talk about michael crichton did michael i say crichton? it right that's yeah michael crichton. crichton what did he write he wrote everything, pretty much. Yeah. I'm so envious of his career. Uh, he wrote ER, Westworld, Jurassic Park, the movie Sphere. I mean, he. I don't know if he how much he worked on the scripts, but these are all based on his books. Books, right. Yeah. He wrote those books. What, what, but was what his was first book a about, medical book? Um, it, he, well, ER, but... So, he... What's interesting about him is he went to Harvard College in 1960. What's that? I never heard of that he, school. <laughs> Harvard. Harvard. Where it's is a top that? five school, Dr. Cohen. Is that somewhere in the, in the East Coast? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. You wouldn't know it. No. But he was an English major because I guess he always knew he wanted to write, but he really didn't like one of his professors. So he switched to biology hmm. and he got enrolled into Harvard Medical School. So he's apparently just a genius at everything right. anyways. But, um, so he wrote under a pseudonym while he was studying to be a doctor because he didn't want to think, like, the patients that he was seeing, I right. don't know if it was, like, on rounds, that he was, like, taking from their life. Right. And he didn't want to be accused of any of that. Well, I think there's that, but I think there's also the, you know, doctors have this very holier, a lot of doctors have a kind of a holier-than-now attitude a little bit, at least more in the old days than today. Mm-hmm. And then I think also... Um, the reality of life is that there are always going to be haters and people who want to shoot you down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, he probably wrote under a pseudonym also so that none of the more serious doctors would be like, hey, this guy's not serious. Let's boot him out, A. I think that was or this guy's it. successful. 
you know, let's 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 hurt them and stuff. So right. I think those were. Two, were you going to say that? Did I no, cut you I, off? No, yeah, I think that's yeah. definitely part of it. Yeah. And so he wrote under pseudonym John Lang. He wrote his first four novels, but the only one that apparently was good or like people took notice of was called the the Carey Treatment. Or the what? that's the film was called the Carey Treatment. I don't Carey. The C A R E Y. I, I never saw the film. Huh. What was um, his first Michael Crichton novel? Do you know? Oh no, the book was called *A Case of Need*, but it was made into the film *The Carry Treatment*. Have so you it ever sounds seen like it? no, sounds like it was medical. Yeah, so I guess after yeah. that, he started using his own name. Yeah, once he had some yeah, success. Exactly. Should we talk about anybody else? Um, one last person. Any women? Did did you know we we only talked about I men? I looked for women on the show because I thought the same thing. I was yeah. like, there's got to be some. I couldn't find anybody. Well, we cow. talked about Dr. Ruth. We did talk about Dr. Ruth, but the right, and she was one of the first like reality TV people. There's got to be. I do remember that there were there was a another radio show similar to Dr. Ruth. These two sisters, I don't remember their names. One a urologist, and one so a surgeon, a female surgeon, and one I think was a psychiatrist or psychologist, and they had their own like sexual. Uh, kind of function talk show too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think sometime in the two thousands, um, but I don't yeah, know where they've gone. It's not that odd to be like Doctor Phil or Doctor Oz to like make a TV show out of your career, right? Whereas like these other people we're talking about, they went on to do second careers that second are careers. unusual. Are there any other women? Did you look it up? You didn't find any women. I didn't find any. But wow, that's we didn't kind of talk about one that I uh, Che Guevara, right? Which I, how do you I, pronounce he, that name? Is it not Shay? I don't know Shay? how to say it. Shay? I've never said the name. And I still refuse to. Because I don't know how. And I Okay, well, his real name's Ernesto. <laughs> okay, we can talk about Ernesto. Yeah, so he... But he's probably, I mean, the craziest change from doctor to Rebel leader. Yeah, exactly. I don't know his whole story. I don't know much of his story, though. Did I tell you about him or you told me about him? You you had I him did? on the list. Oh, wow. And I forgot because there's a whole movie about it with uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. Right. And it's called The Motorcycle Diaries. And it's right. a beautiful film. And Is it's it? about his time, yeah, he, where he goes. It actually made him want to become a revolutionary because he was so upset with, like, treating the poor people and how people right. were treated. And he just thought, you know, like, capitalism is evil. Like, all these rich people are, I mean, no, nothing was trickling down. I mm-hmm. mean, it just, like... Started his whole, like, Marxist thoughts and wow. theories. How long did he practice medicine for? Do you, did you get a sense of it? Um, I really don't think it was that long because, I mean, I like, maybe four years. Uh, Not but that he, long. But he practiced. He yes. actually practiced medicine. Mm-hmm. Who else Who else was um, anyone else dramatic? Well, you know, the other thing is there are a whole bunch of politicians, you know, who have gone on, who, mm-hmm. who started out as doctors. Ben Carson, a neurosurgeon True. who... Now tried to run for president. Right. And now he's a uh, housing secretary? Um, Is somebody? I forget. Yeah, he's the HUD. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty weird transition. That's Brain true. surgeon to doing that? I don't uh, know how the two equate. Yeah, I mean, who who is like Howard Dean, right? Wasn't he a doctor? Yeah, I think so, maybe. Nobody knows. I feel like there's doctors that definitely run, like throw right. themselves in the race. Right. And there's actually the mayor of Beverly Hills, or the former mayor of Beverly Hills, is an anesthesiologist who I work with a lot at Cedar sinai The head of anesthesia at Cedar sinai one of the former heads, went on to become mayor of Beverly Hills. Do you think you have a political future? Me? No, definitely not. Too many not skeletons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. I... <laughs> Don't want to put your family through that? There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. 
All, All right. right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us on Gross Anatomy Podcast. And if you know of any, like, Doctors of Second Careers that you wish we'd talked about, let us know. Maybe we missed someone big and Definitely. we'll mention them. For sure. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine.